Two good news by-elections held in Canada this week. Quebec declares that it's no more racist than anywhere else. An 18-year-old dies after falling down a grain shaft in Almer, Ontario. A missing piece in the story of the two dead officers in Edmonton and what happened to Rasheen Carter. Good morning. It's Friday, March 17th. I hear it's St. Patrick's Day. Here are your headlines. Good news is in short supply, so let's start with some good news. Last night, Sarah Jama won a by-election in Hamilton for position of member of provincial parliament. It was not a surprise victory at all. She was running in an NDP stronghold. But B'nai B'rith, the Simon Wiesenthal Centre and the Toronto Star did everything they could to sink Sarah's campaign. The final smear came yesterday when the Toronto Star's Rob Ferguson wrote that Jama had apologized for comments. What is interesting about this article, however, is that the comments are made to be anti-Semitic thanks to Ferguson and who he quotes and how he frames the article before he even gets to the quote that Jama apologizes for on Election Day. Even the title of the article is ridiculous. Quote, NDP candidate at center of Israel controversy apologizes over choice of words like Israel controversy saying that Israel is doing apartheid or occupation or trying to wipe out Palestinian villages, you know, all stuff that is true. The word anti-Semitism appears before the quote that Jama apologizes for was even mentioned. The quote was from a video of a rally in 2021. It's frankly incoherent and says nothing at all, let alone nothing that one should apologize for. But Sarah did apologize, which I imagine was the decision of the ONDP after their leader, Merritt Stiles, met with the folks from the Simon Wiesenthal Center. If you've never tangled with that group, I have and can say I wouldn't meet with them. Nothing positive comes out as a result. If we're ever hanging out in a bar, feel free to ask me about my years of refusing to meet with the Simon Wiesenthal Center. Anyway, the good news is that the NDP has replaced Horvath with someone who actually has politics. The bad news is that this apology capitulates to a crowd that is using slander as a political weapon. But Jamma's election is good news for every left winger who's been told to tone it down lest they ever want to be elected. People like authenticity and consistency. Remember that. But this wasn't the only by-election that happened in Canada this week, nor is Gemma the only left-winger to be elected. In Quebec, the riding of saint henri saint anne in Montreal just flipped from the Liberals to Quebec Solidaire. This was not an obvious victory at all. saint henri saint anne has been Liberal since the riding was formed. The by-election was called when former Liberal leader Dominique Anglade resigned as leader of the party and as MNA. Guillaume Clich-Rivard, an immigration lawyer, took the seat. What is good news for Anglos who speak no French is that Clich Rivard speaks the best English of any previously elected QS MNA, meaning that you'll finally be able to hear from a QS rep in very good English. The Quebec Liberal Party, frankly, is fucked. So the result is both surprising and not surprising. And QS picking up this seat grows their caucus to 12 MNAs, the largest it has ever been. Housing was a big issue during the election, and in talking to Sean Henry at CBC Montreal, Clich Rivard said that he wants a moratorium on evictions, limits to increases in rents, to build more social housing, more affordable housing, and have better control over Airbnb units. Plus, he wants to see elders protected in their leases in their homes. 
Amid bad news everywhere from a very organized right wing, these two elections are great news. Okay, from good news to news from the if you smelt it, you dealt it department. Quebec's National Assembly passed a unanimous motion yesterday declaring that it, quote, is no more racist than anywhere else in the world, unquote, reports Phil Otier from the Montreal Gazette. Let's be clear, though, the motion didn't say that they're no less racist than anywhere else either. So um, I guess that's right. <laughs> the motion passed unanimously with support from the Liberals and Quebec's leader. Annoyingly, it denounced links made between Quebec's absolutely racist Bill 21 and racism. Bill 21 is the bill that bans teachers, cops, judges, crown prosecutors, and the Speaker of the National Assembly from wearing religious symbols. While it isn't racist in that it elevates one race over another in any explicit way, it clearly has a racist impact on people who wear religious symbols, which more often than not targets racialized Quebecers. Anyway, while disappointing and the equivalent to wearing an I'm not racist t-shirt, it's important to note that motions like this are passed all the time in Quebec's National Assembly. That is, random statements that have no action and are often not at all debated, like this one. They are all for show. There's not really a version of this in any legislature in the rest of Canada, so I thought I would just tack that on as a FYI. To other news now, in Elmer, a farming town just outside of London, Ontario, Ryan Larman, 18 years old, has died at Elgin Feeds after falling down the shaft of a grain elevator. The owners of Elgin Feeds asked for God's comfort at this painful time, unquote. The London Free Press reports that the Ministry of Labour was contacted, but a spokesperson said that the workplace doesn't fall under its jurisdiction. And that's the entire article. So I guess I have to do my own research. Fine. Elgin Feeds is operated by Norwich Feeds, a local supplier of sugarcane feed and feed processed by Tri-County Feeds. At the Almer Mill, they operate the only grist mill in Elgin County. From their website, they are, quote, able to grind and roll grains, plus has a computerized molasses mixer for producing a variety of mash and textured feeds, including horse, dairy, beef, goat, and poultry. Now, my family's from this part of the world, and honestly, in reading that description, I can totally smell the feed. <laughs> anyway, it's too bad that the London Free Press didn't explain or ask why the company doesn't fall under the jurisdiction of the Ministry of Labour. Certainly, farming is exempt from Ontario's Occupational Health and Safety Act, but Elgin Feeds isn't strictly a farming enterprise. It's processing feed. There is the Agricultural Employees Protection Act of 2002, which only references employees' rights to form associations. But I couldn't find anything else in Ontario legislation that specifically talked about agricultural workers working in a factory. I did find a statute that regulated grain elevators, but nothing about the employees inside those grain elevators. Sadly, I doubt we'll hear much more of this. Elgin Feeds needs to be held accountable, and I'll try to keep my eye out for what that might look like. Like when a company falls outside the jurisdiction of the Ministry of Labor for some reason. Yesterday in Edmonton, two police officers were shot and killed after responding to a domestic violence call early in the morning. This was the biggest news in Canada yesterday, so I wasn't planning to mention it. But someone responded to me on Twitter saying that the shooter, who had not been described anywhere that I had read beyond being a man, was actually a teenager. He was just 16 years old. The way that this news was framed from the start was very, very interesting. CTV News even tried to link the shooting to guns and gangs in the early part of the day, a comment that was made from a guy who CTV says does crime analysis for them. 
It took until last night before police told journalists that the shooter was a kid, though that had been circulating on social media from people who had inside information. It's a detail they would have instantly had, and yet they held it back, probably because it is a much cleaner story if the officers were murdered by a disgruntled man or a wife abuser. Much easier to talk about gangs and guns than what on earth could possibly lead a child to committing such an act of violence. And the strategy to keep the attention on the act and not the actor worked. By last night, stories containing the detail of the shooter's age were out, but all mentions were relegated to a minor detail in every news piece that I read, and I read probably six. Anyway, this kind of thing really, really matters when it comes to police. It's always about PR first. Make sure that everyone is focused on the deaths and has no room to process that, wait, what? A kid did this? Why will you not see every newspaper in the country today calling for pouring money into children's and teens' mental health? Well, because that doesn't serve anyone as much as it serves power to talk about amped up random acts of violence or how since 1990, four Edmonton police officers have been shot and killed, including the most recent officers. And finally, to the United States, where there is a really disturbing news story related to a lynching that happened in Mississippi. If you can't handle that kind of news so early in the morning, you should shut the episode off right now. In a feature for The Independent UK, Rachel Sharp tries to understand what happened to Rasheem Carter and why police are saying that the events don't warrant an investigation. I mean, other than straight up racism. Back in October, Rasheem sent his mother a text saying that he was being chased by a group of white men in pickup trucks as they yelled racist abuse at him. It was the last text he'd send. His body was found a month later in the woods. His head was severed completely from his body. And yet Mississippi police are saying they still do not suspect foul play. Rashim wasn't from this area of Mississippi. He was a welder and he was there at work doing jobs around Smith County while staying in Laurel County. His mother said that he had been in touch with her saying he was worried about his co-workers. He texted to say that if anything were to happen to him, he thought that the owner of the company was responsible. Quote, he got these guys wanting to kill me, unquote. She didn't know what to do or to say, so she said what most mothers would say, go to the police station. Before this call, he had visited the Taylorsville Police Department twice, reported ABC News. But it's not clear why he did this, and the Taylorsville Police Department wouldn't respond to the independent's request for comment. Rashim had been seen on a trail camera in the woods without his shirt, looking like he was trying to get away from something. The autopsy showed clear signs of trauma. In reading this, I couldn't help but think of a song that I think of a lot. It's a song called Here's to the State of Mississippi by Phil Oakes. He released it in 1965, and I decided to read the lyrics for you, though As I tried to read the lyrics, I realized that you just can't read these words. You have to, you have to sing them. So here we go. Here's to the state of Mississippi. For underneath her borders, the devil draws no line. If you drag her muddy river, nameless bodies you will find. Oh, the fat trees of the forest have hit a thousand crimes. The calendar is lying when it reads the present time. Oh, here's to the land you torn out the heart of. Mississippi, find yourselves another country to be part of. And here's to the people of Mississippi. 
who say the folks up north, they just don't understand. And they tremble in the shadows at the thunder of the clan. Oh, the sweating of their souls can't wash the blood from off their hands. Or they smile and shrug their shoulders at the murder of a man. Oh, here's to the land you've torn out the heart of. Mississippi, find yourself another country to be part of. All power to the family of Rasheem Carter. And, you know, it's St. Patrick's Day, so how could I not sing a bit of the news? Those are your headlines for March 17th. It's Friday. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you have a great Friday. And I'll talk to you on the other side.